Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You can't see anything that doesn't match your judgment. And so judgment is one of the biggest killers there is. And we need to start recognizing when, they're in the, when we're in the middle of those judgments and go, uh-uh, stop you know, make a different choice, you know, and we have in access consciousness, this work that I do, it's like, we have a ton of tools. We've got over 8,000 tools. Okay. But it's, it's, you know, as a beginning step, we need to recognize judgment doesn't work. Judgment kills. Judgment never creates. It always destroys. And so us judging us is not going to make us greater people. Us judging us is only going to allow us to see the deficiencies we judge. And so one way out of that, if you notice you're judging yourself, judging a situation, you go, what's right about this, I'm not getting. And what's right about me, I'm not getting. And what that does is when, when you ask a question, a question always opens up another possibility, another doorway of possibility that you never saw before you asked the question. It's there it's available. I mean, the universe has truly infinite choices and that, that doesn't come from spirituality. That comes from physics, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, the current theory, one of the current theories of the universe is the universe is infinite, which means it started infinite. It's still infinite. It's expanding, but it is infinite. And so we actually have way more choices, but the question is, are we going to be willing to choose them? How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Dr. Here. This is a very interesting interview, and it's going to invoke a lot of emotions from you all, so I'm giving you all a warning. But we covered things ranging from depression to systemic oppression, and he also dived into some of the ways that we have approached and internalized a lot of the things that we have come to accept as standards. I encourage you all to open your mind and listen to the interview. And I encourage you all to also express whatever it is that you feel, whether it's anger, whether it's shame, whether it's acceptance. But the, the big point that I want you all to leave this interview with is the idea of evaluating what you feel are the choices you have and what you feel are opportunities for growth. He has a very, very interesting background and he has a rags to riches story. And I think his perspective is interesting to reflect on because we are currently in a place of so much uncertainty, all right? And uh, for some people, chaos, and for some people, abundance. And I'm curious to see, I would really love to hear your thoughts on this, how you feel you all can get to a place of abundance. All right, enjoy the episode.
Talk soon. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Dane here. Dane is an influencer of change and inspiration within a community of over 1 million people. His real-life rags-to-riches story brought him from an abusive past in the ghettos of Los Angeles to being a source of inspiration and an inviter of greatness and consciousness. Dr. Here is a popular speaker and best-selling author and is also the co-founder of a diverse range of businesses around the world, a conscious and creative thought leader with a profound understanding of the power of personal creation. Dr. Yer draws upon his background and unique perspective to empower people from every culture, country, age, and social strata to create the money relationships and life that they truly desire. Welcome to the show. Ayo, great to be here. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. Uh, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to start the show without addressing what's going on now. So I would love to hear from your perspective what you think is happening and how we can achieve that that ultimate reset. Well, I I think you know for me, there's lots of people who will tell you why it's happening and what's happening and conspiracy this and all that. And okay, fine, um, any of that could be true. But one thing I want to let people know is what's true for you always makes you lighter. So if you hear it and you start going down a black hole of heaviness, it's not actually true. At least it's not true for you. Right. And what I'm looking at is what is the possibility in this? You know, life, I mean, this is just one global example of what life throws us individually, you know, all the time. And what are we going to do with it is my question. So what I look at is what's the possibility? I mean, if you look at the fact that there are, you know, beautiful, clear waters in Venice. There's <laughs> the pollution has gone over China. You know, Chinese kids are looking up and seeing blue sky and going, oh, my God, that's the color the sky is. Who knew? You know, animals yeah. invading cities around the world. So it's like, yeah, we've basically pressed the global reset button. And, you know, from my sense is like, wow, the earth is breathing. OK, cool. If that's what's going on, if that's if we look at the possibilities rather than the problems, and I'm not saying, see, your point of view creates your reality. So if you focus on the problems, that's all you're going to see. If you start looking at the possibilities also and acknowledge things still need to be handled, then you have a different set of choices. And that's what I'm interested in. Well, obviously, that's, I agree with that. I think the earth has been calling with, has been trying to tell us about several things that there's, you know, that's been happening and how we're hurting it. But I do also, you know, I want to acknowledge the overwhelm, stress and anxiety that a lot of people are, are feeling because it is something, you know, people are feeling it based on opportunities being lost and things that are happening. And I know that you have this thing where you say you can change overwhelm in three steps. So I'm curious to see if maybe that you can offer the audience some I guess a, a coping mechanism, I guess that would be the word. Well, yeah. let, me, let me say the first thing. Um, see, I'd rather go beyond cope even. But, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know that we have, you know, in the time that we have today, I don't know that we can quite get there. But I would like to present some different choices, different possibilities. So one of the things that can be really helpful right now is us recognizing that we pick up other people's drama like a big psychic radio receiver. It's like if you've ever been in a relationship and you were like, I need to call my partner now and you call them and there was some upset that they had, you know that this applies with people that you're close to. Or if you've ever been happy and you walk into a room of sad or angry people and you start feeling sad and angry and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Well, yeah. this is something that we do naturally. We're just really aware 
energetically of the people around us. And we're actually aware on a global scale, even though that makes no sense to our mind. So if you realize that somewhere around 98% of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and all that weird gut-wrenching stuff you pick up is actually your awareness of other people. And then the question, well, so I'm saying that because I've recognized that. I've worked with thousands of people around the world, and I use this tool with them about 100% of the time um, during a session or a class. And so what you want to do is you want to get whatever that stuff is that's going on for you, you know, like you said, the stress, the overwhelm, and just go, who does this belong to? Is it mine? Mm. And if you ask that question, see, because the thing is, we're living our lives, and I'll give you this piece of information, and you're like, yeah, 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 probably, no, no, it can't be true. But if you'll ask the question, take a moment to pause, ask the question, who does this belong to? Is it mine? If it lightens up at all, if you get any change in it, it's not yours. Okay. And so what you want to do is just return it to sender with consciousness attached. Now, if you'll be present enough to do this for three days, at the end of three days, you walk around like you're in a walking, talking meditation, even now, even as everybody else is freaking out around us. And, and so doing that changes the perspective. And it takes you out of everybody else's stuff. Now, a lot of people out there are like, it can't be that simple. I'm like, I, I thought so too. I totally understand the argument. I had the same point of view when I got this tool 20 years ago when I was so depressed, I wanted to kill myself. And um, I asked this question in the middle of one of those times and it literally vanished. And I went, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is something I've been aware of my whole life thinking it was mine. And so if you'll try it, And literally, if you ask, who does this belong to? And is this mind, every thought, feeling, emotion, every gut-wrenching, whatever, for three days, uh, you start, well, it starts immediately. But at the end of three days, you basically break the machine that makes you think that everything is yours. Mm. And I'm I'm also not one of these people that's like, well, just ignore it and think positive thoughts. No, be really present with what's going on, but be present with what's actually going on, not the hyper-inflated trauma and drama that a lot of people have turned it into yeah that's yeah yeah and that's well said and it's i think it's it's about the stories we we end up telling ourselves right and the stories that we start to believe about each other and it it, this is once again it's hard to to figure out how to break past those things and and one of the things that i I know that you talk about is that self-acceptance in fact you say self-acceptance can save someone's life and i know you talked about you 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 got to the brink of of uh, suicide yourself but how can we then you know go from what you're saying you know this idea of overwhelm moving on to telling ourselves stories that are true about ourselves but then how can we get to the point where we can accept ourselves as well as our insecurities and our imperfections in a way that we can grow well what we need to we've got to start see it's it i wish there were one sentence i could say that would actualize that you know this is a this is a journey for all of us. If you know, if we choose to accept it, I feel like we're on mission impossible. You know, your, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to stop judging yourself and stop hating yourself so much. You know, <laughs> it's like, and the thing is, the funny part is, it's not rocket science. It's just so far from what we've been taught, because we've been taught that judging ourselves and seeing where we're deficient will somehow make us greater. We will get over those deficiencies. 
But when you judge something, and this is something most people don't know, when you judge something, you get more of what you judge. And so when you judge, this is difficult, this is impossible, or I'm bad, I'm wrong, or I'm a bad person, you know, I never do anything right. You can't see anything that doesn't match your judgment. And so judgment is one of the biggest killers there is. And we need to start recognizing when, they're in the, when we're in the middle of those judgments and go, uh-uh, stop, you know, make a different choice. You know, and we have in Access Consciousness, this work that I do, it's like we have a ton of tools. We've got over 8,000 tools, okay? But it's, it's, you know, as a beginning step, we need to recognize judgment doesn't work. Judgment kills. Judgment never creates. It always destroys. And so us judging us is not going to make us greater people. Us judging us is only going to allow us to see the deficiencies we judge. And so one way out of that, if you notice you're judging yourself, judging a situation, you go, what's right about this I'm not getting? And what's right about me I'm not getting? And what that does is when, when you ask a question, a question always opens up another possibility, another doorway a possibility that you never saw before you asked the question. It's there. It's available. I mean, the universe has truly infinite choices. And that that doesn't come from spirituality. That comes from physics, <laughs> you know. And and you know, the current theory, one of the current theories of the universe is the universe is infinite, which means it started infinite, it's still infinite, it's expanding, but it is infinite. And so we actually have way more choices but the question is, are we going to be willing to choose them? And we got to get, it's our life. It's up to us. We can swim in the cesspool with everybody else, or we yeah. can take probably the most challenging step any of us will ever take and choose to be as different as we are, even in the face of everybody else drowning in the cesspool by their choice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is a journey. It's but it definitely takes a lot of, of what you're saying, and it's it's one of those uh, ones that we, a lot of times maybe experience will help us get there. And it, it does lead me to be even more curious about your journey. In the bio, we talked about rags to riches story, and you said, and you know, in your bio that you grew up in the ghettos in California. I'm curious if you could walk us, you know, through that and how you found yourself to be where you are today. Well, yeah, when I was a little kid, my mom and I had so little money. My mom and dad were divorced. My mom and I had so little money that we moved into um, the ghetto in L.A. And it was very similar to Compton or Watts. It was in a different place, but had all the same characteristics. So here I was, um, you know, living with my mom. We were living with this uh, lady and her kids. And I experienced very intense abuse there. I was... Had my little naked body beaten with belts, you know, with this circle of women standing over me, hitting me in the penis as many times as they could because they wanted to let me know how evil men were. And I was oh, like, I was gosh. six years old. And, um, but I didn't come out of it hating women. I didn't come out of it hating those people. I came out of it going, it doesn't have to be this way. This reality is screwed up. And that was always my point of view, but partially as a result of that, partially as a result of, sort of all the points of view I grew up with, um, you know, we managed to get out of the ghetto by, um, I don't know, by the time I was 10 or something like that, but, and sort of scrape along the bottom financially. Um, and then I also had one side of my family that had money, but they would never give it to us. Like they could have 
easily gotten us out. And that always was surprising to me too. So anyway, fast forward to uh, 20 years ago, I'm a chiropractor living in Santa Barbara. I've got this girlfriend and I have been unhappy for the better part of three years. And I was doing every personal development modality I could find. I was reading every book I could find. It's, it's like I was doing the work and yet the world just kept weighing down on me. And it was after a weekend workshop that I went to, because what would happen for me is I'd go to a workshop and I'd be like, yay, I finally found the answer to being happy. Because all I really <laughs> wanted was to be happy. You know, from the time I was a little kid, when they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd be like, happy, you know? And they go, do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a garbage man? Do you want to be an actor? I'd be like, yes, as long as I'm happy. You know, I didn't care what I did. I just wanted to be happy. And I wasn't. And I realized that that pretty much the entire basis of everything I'd created my life on was what was supposed to make people happy from everybody else's standards. And I was nowhere in the equation. So anyway, three days after this a particular workshop, the universe caved in on my head again. And I was like, universe, you got six months. Either my life changes or I'm killing myself. And I meant it. And I planned a date and I knew how I was going to do it. And I knew I was, once I did it, I wa it wasn't going to be one of those where, oh, you know, we find him and he's alive. I was planning on getting out. Right. And I saw an ad for something called Access Consciousness. And um, it was Access Consciousness bars. I, long story short, I ended up having a session with this girl. And I couldn't even afford to pay for it. Here I am, a chiropractor, and I had had success, but it was not nearly enough. And um, she does this thing called access consciousness bars, which is this light touch thing on the head. And I lived in California. I did all kinds of weird stuff, you know. But And I figured it wouldn't be any different. Well, sh there was this energy that started like vibrating in my molecules. I was like, what is going on? And it had this piece to it. And it felt like it was like vibrating apart all that wrongness I'd been living with. And an hour and 15 minutes later, and by the way, after a few minutes, I started giggling. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. And an hour and 15 minutes, I get up and I look out at the window at the clouds. And I was like, oh, my God, has it always been this beautiful here? If it can feel this way to be alive, I'm in. And that was the beginning of me actually starting to know there was a different possibility available, but also uh, start having the tools because I started doing this access consciousness work and started having the tools to change the crap that wasn't working, that nothing else I had done had changed. Well, within about, uh, I don't know, about three months, I became best friends with the guy that created it because he lived in Santa Barbara too. And he had started it 10 years before. And so over the last 20 years, we've been friends and business partners and co-creating all kinds of different businesses around the world. But it was, it was one, because I got in touch with a sense of the energy of being alive that was actually possible, that was what I saw nobody else having. And number two, I had the tools to get out of the crap when the crap showed up, but also the tools to create from a different space that was actually true for me, because I didn't want to be one of those people who created a business to to rape, pillage, and plunder other people and take advantage of them. I wanted to create a business from what we now call benevolent capitalism, which is where everybody is made greater by the business, everybody who works for you, everybody who buys from you, everybody in the business is made greater, and so is the planet. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's a beautiful uh, self-awareness journey. And, and by the way, not one that many people get to, because depression 
and anxiety is, I don't know, I think depression is one of our biggest silent killers. And I know you, you, you know a lot about this is it's something that many people don't even realize that they have or they just accept that is accepted as something that's unique to them. And when it becomes unique to them, there's this story of perfection that they're telling themselves. They're like, well, I'm not like this person or I'm not where I should be. And so I must be the problem. And I've come across this a lot of times. I, I'm very open about you know the therapy that I, I go to. And there are certain stigmas with, with certain communities. Even, I mean, I'm me being a person of color, me, me being black, me being Nigerians, there's stigma there. The men having that as well, stigma, therapy in general, stigma. And I'm just curious about ways people can understand that it's okay to ask for help without feeling that they're weak or something is is wrong with them or it's some shame-based way of growing that they have to hide, you know, from the world. I don't know if in your research you found a way to tell a different story about that. Well, I think it, you know, I'm so grateful for what you're talking about because I think it's people like you telling your story and people like me telling my story, you know, and we reach a different audience just because of who we are and different people will be attracted to us because of just who we are. But I think that's the most vital part is them knowing, hey, you know what? Um, yes, it has a stigma. And but then them also being willing to recognize that if you did it, so can I. And, you know, for me, it's like when people come to access consciousness and we, we either do sessions or classes or we interact in some way, it's like they very quickly get that they are welcome. Yeah. Because, you know, and 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 I think that's the other thing is those of us who have a a story to tell or or desire to be a contribution, we need to let everyone know that you're all welcome. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your race, your religion, your background, your points of view, your amount of money. This is us, you know, and, and so the reason I do something called access consciousness is because long ago we found a definition for consciousness, which is where everyone and everything exists and no one and nothing is judged. And I think as we live and be more of that in the world, those of us that are willing to, people recognize they are welcome. People recognize yeah. that no matter what stigma they have, no matter, you know, it's like you're welcome, warts and all. You don't have to be perfect here. And I know you're still going to try for a long time because I did and we all do and that's okay. And even that is not wrong. And we're in this thing together. You know, we are citizens of this planet and we have to have each other's backs to create a different possibility for this planet and each of us having a different and greater future. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's well said. I, I love that. And uh, speaking of having each other's backs, I identify as a man and you identify as a man. Something that you talk about is the return of the gentleman. And, and I, I particularly resonate with this because uh, one of the things that I, I, I'm passionate about is, is redefining masculinity. I actually wrote out a, a manifesto for, for uh, the 21st century gentleman a few years ago, which is so it was interesting when I, when I saw that you were talking about this. But what is the return of the gentleman for you? Why is it so important to, you know, for, for uh, a man to look in the mirror today and address what you call is the masculinity crisis? Well, 
I, you know, we've all seen what occurred as a result of the Me Too movement. And what's interesting to me is all the men I work with are equally as outraged at men doing that to women and what created that crisis um, as women are, in fact, probably more so because it's being done in our name. So what the reason I brought up this conversation and wrote the book is because there's so many men around the world who feel so disenfranchised. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, it's like men knew that this was my role, this is my job, and women knew this is my role, this is my job. Now, I'm not saying that was <laughs> that was a great idea, you know. It's like, so as roles have become undefined, men and women um, have found themselves without a sense of, okay, who am I and, and who can I be? And at the same time, there's been such a, dynamic bias against men in so many ways in that, in that, and I've seen this, I mean, we, we can look at the history of the world and see this in so many, so many places in different ways where, you know, so as women have our women actually have a lot of resources to turn to. And as they're claiming more of their power, which is appropriate, by the way, which is great, but it's not the power over men that they need to claim or the, or we are now powerful. It's, we got to uplift each other. And as men, as women, as, as people of color, as people of all kinds of different colors, you know, it's like, and that's really where this conversation is coming from because so many of the men in the world, the kind, caring, sensitive men, the men that desire to have a woman's back, but also are sexual and like to have sex and like to please a woman's body and like to play and like to be kind and caring to kids and raise their kids as as honorable creatures like they had no space and no voice so there were lots of resources for women to turn to but very few for men and the reason it got started was because a 23 year old friend of mine who comes to a lot of classes that i deliver he looked at me one day and he said i want to say thank you and I said, for what? He said, I have researched before I came to Access, before I met you and Gary, the founder. Um, he said, I had researched how to be a good man. And all I found online was either how to get women in bed or how to lie about who you were so women would like you. That's all I found. He said, what I see with you and Gary is you guys just are who you are, but you're honoring of everybody. And I want to be more like you. He's like, you're sexual and you don't apologize for that. But you also have women's backs and you don't apologize for that. And you have men's backs and you don't compete with them. He's like, you've given me a totally different perspective. So we started having conversations with men and the book basically came out of that. But for me, a true gentleman is somebody who truly likes the person looking back at him from the mirror. Somebody who's able to be kind and caring and sexual and um, at the same time be willing to fight for women's rights be willing to fight for men's rights, be willing to fight for the planet's rights. It's like, it, it truly is that person who has all, all aspects of them and all cylinders firing at all times without having to make an apology or live in judgment of who they are. Yeah, well, how, I, I mean, I love that you said that, but then how can we get people to get out of that mindset? Because I, it's funny, my, my day job is, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's my full-time job. It's everyday job since that, that's what I do with companies and yeah, in general. But 
you are right. We, you know, once the Me Too movement hit, I started to see people re- actually fear to be themselves. You know, I, I remember having conversations with people saying, "Well, I guess I can't hire a woman on my team now." And I was like, "Wait, well, wait, what do you mean?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, you." Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. No, I, I don't want to get in trouble. And I said, well, why are you approaching it from a fear based? perspective. Maybe it's an opportunity to reflect on things that might have been passed on as okay before, but that doesn't mean you all of a sudden lose your your manhood or your masculinity. And it's an interesting conversation to have with oneself. And I love when you said it's important to look at that man in the mirror, because I do think a lot of what's happened, whether it's with COVID-19, masculinity, you know, it, you know, anything that has to do with oppression, is we have to see what role that we're playing in perpetuating certain stereotypes or certain um, dangerous, harmful narratives. And are there things you tell yourself that you can give the audience to start off with? Maybe like saying, um, Dr. Here, are you here today? I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such a, I use puns a lot. Or, or what is real, what isn't? This is not a, do you have affirmations? What is your process? Uh, my process is different every day because every day is different. And, um, for me, what it started out as is getting out of judgment of me. So every time I would notice I was having a judgment of me, first thing I would do is I'd see a hand or a stop sign. I'd just go, stop, hold on. This is not making me lighter. It goes back to that thing. What's true makes you lighter. A lie makes you heavier. And I would stop the judgment. And then I would ask, okay, who does that belong to? Is that mine or somebody else's? And when did I pick this up as, when did I take this into my reality and make this an integral part of how I felt about myself? And what I would do then is I would just in that, I mean, if people just did that one thing, and what I would do is I'd ask, how old am I being right now? And so many of the judgments that I had, as you could probably imagine, so many of the judgments I had about myself as a man were from, living in the ghetto with abusive women because other than me um, and one other um, young boy that was two years older than me um, and he was abusive too unfortunately Um, but it was basically a I was living in a household of women who truly hated men and so what I would do is I would I would walk now uh, we have a different way of doing this in access consciousness we have this thing called a clearing statement that goes back to the point of creation of wherever it started, and you don't even have to know how old you were, Um, but that's probably a little bit 
that's more for the advanced user of personal development um, that probably not the time to go into. So I'm giving you a different way of going about it. Um, but I, so I would go back and I'd be there. I go, how old am I being? And so many times I go back to six years old, which is when the the huge amount, like the most intense of that abuse occurred. And I would be there as sort of a fair witness for that young child that I was. And I basically just stand there behind him, put my hands on his shoulders and, and I'd go, look, um, is this yours? And give the younger me an awareness it wasn't mine. But at the same time, what I would do is I would instill in that child, you're going to have a different future. <laughs> you will get through this and you get to create your reality. You get to create your world. And in doing that with judgments that come up, what I found is it starts to create this space where it just doesn't come up in the same way. And at the same time, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could take you on a, on a journey through a, you know, a one day class or even a three hour class or a four day class or something to perceive the transformation that's possible. But I had people coming to me depressed and suicidal, um, on the, on the extreme end and just sort of vaguely unhappy on the other end. And then a lot of them are just happy and want more, but within the course of, a few days, it totally transforms. Because what we're doing is we're acknowledging the being that the person is, but also giving them tools along the way to change it and giving them questions they can ask to start opening up other possibilities so they get on the road to creation. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, you've mentioned action consciousness a lot now. I know it's in 173 countries, but maybe you can elaborate on that. What, what is, what exactly is action consciousness? It, it's basically a, I don't even know how to define it. It's like, it's a personal development modality if, if you need some way of defining it, but it's kind of like a personal development upgrade. I know there's so much that we have all done to, to change our lives. And um, what this does is it will add to anything else that you do. You don't have to get rid of, this is inclusive, okay? You don't have to get rid of whatever you're doing. You don't have to get rid of therapy. You don't have to get rid of your spiritual practice or your consciousness practice or your exercise routine or whatever it is. This just gives you tools to make it more effective and to change the things you haven't yet been able to change by giving you a different perspective. Like just one tiny example, that idea that 98% of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions aren't yours. And I see people trying to get rid of depression, unhappiness, hopelessness, all these things, but they're just picking it up. Once you can let that go and you only have to deal with the 2% that's there, yeah, gives you a totally different sense of possibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Huh. I mean, I, I love it. I, I do think I've I've heard people say this. And I believe it. I've said it to other people. I think ask, asking the right. <laughs> I almost said asking. Asking the right questions can save your life. It can be the difference. So true. Between you know a, you know life or death in many situations because. You often, not even you, the proverbial you I'm saying here, you often find yourself in positions where people are just going through the motions without actually stopping and pausing to realize if they are being one conditioned or if it's something that they believe. And when you operate in someone else's paradigm or someone else's story, the person that gets lost there is is you. Is, Absolutely. Hey. So it's it's a very uh, dangerous dangerous thing to do, but when we lose the essence to be reflective, 
when we lose the essence to, to listen and to observe, it, it becomes uh, a dangerous in that. So, ah, I really, I really well, like that you have a platform for that. Well, and when you and when you said that, Tayo, it's like it, it is a it. I'd say it's one of the most dangerous things, but it's also one of the most pervasive. This is not just this is not just something that applies to some people. They're picking stuff up from other people. This applies to all of us all the time. Yes. And if we don't address that, then and if we don't address that, we're we're making our job of being happy a lot harder. And it could be so much easier. The mantra of access is all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And glory means exuberant expression and abundance. That's the actual meaning of it. It's not a religious term. But but really if if we could ponder just for a moment what it would be like to go beyond the problem mentality because this is another thing that that occurs for people who do access is they go beyond the mentality that their life is about problems and solving problems because let's face it a lot of us really know we're really good problem solvers the problem is when you're a problem solver you always find another problem to solve as mm. though that is your purpose and that gets you to possibilities yeah. when you go beyond the problem mentality into asking a, a simple question like what else is possible here and like you were talking about it's like what's really true for me and what can i choose now that nobody else can yeah yeah that's a uh, silence in the inner the inner critic i would believe it, it's it's also interesting though if we're trying to practice compassion and empathy a lot of times we just talked about the savior complex. We want to know how we can help. And <laughs> I think it, I think one of the things we're not sure how to do is to ask if someone is okay. You know, sometimes there's a fear around that. Sometimes we wonder if we're being too invasive. Is there a way, a proper way to do it? You know, say, hey, are you okay? How can I show up for you? Can I hold space for you? You know, what would I you think, recommend? I think you just said it. And I, I think there's another conversation we need to have too that may make it easier for some people and make some people hate me. Um, but I think, so first, I think exactly what you said, are you okay? And is there anything I can contribute? You know, and, and we have to recognize, okay, because the idea of help and compassion, strangely, and people are going to hate me for this, hear me out before you decide you hate me, and then you can decide to hate me after if you want to. Um, because I had the same point of view when I first heard this, but help and compassion are actually superior positions. If I have to take compassion upon you, it's because you're somehow less than me. If I have to help you, if my point of view is you need help, then I'm not acknowledging that you are in the middle, that you're, I'm not acknowledging that this is actually a choice that you have made. See, we want to look and see that there are victims out there and that somehow we need to help the victims. What I see is people who are choosing things I wouldn't necessarily choose anymore, but that I used to choose. And it's only when we, and, and I can just feel the amount of people who are going, what? Because we, this is so deeply ingrained, but what if we looked at, does it make you lighter to think that every being on this planet has choice? And if they do, is it okay for them to choose something that's limiting them, even if it's not something you would choose? And from there, not from you need help because you're less than me, or I need to help you to assuage my guilt for having more than you 
or being happier or whatever, but hey, I see that you're choosing. I've got your back. If you want to choose something different, I am absolutely here to contribute. And then I can help from that place, not from the place of you need help because you're less than me. And just the very idea that we put on people that they are somehow victims and they need help because they're less than us or this global idea that we have of this as though people are not choosing what they're choosing. And you go, yeah, but why would somebody be, why would somebody choose to be born into a poor family while they get abused? Well, that is a rabbit hole. I don't know that I could go down right now, but if you come to a class, I will explain it to you. Um, and I don't mean that as a commercial for class. I'm just saying, I, I have a reason for what I'm saying. It just, it, it doesn't fit into sound bites. But if it at all makes you lighter to consider the possibility that every one of us has choice and that certain people choose things that we wouldn't choose, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't choose it because they've got their own experience, they've got their own reality, they've got their own lifetime. And if you believe in past lifetimes, they've got reasons from all kinds of other lifetimes. And if you don't, then don't worry about it. But people choose what they choose. We need to not make them wrong for that choice because it's not something we would choose. And then we need to be there to empower them with different choices. Huh. So I'm curious about your thought on this. So do you believe that there are systems of oppression in today's world where oh, people dear are? Lord. Yeah, this I'm, whole I, world, this whole world primarily is a system of oppression. <laughs> no, 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 I have a reason for asking this because I mean, someone could listen to that and say, well, you know, what about, you know, you know, systemic issues here? And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, because th then they could say, well, I didn't choose that. And, um, you know, this is happening. So, yeah, I'm curious, you know, if it would, well, if it yeah, but, but, but here's here's the difference. OK. You can look at systems of oppression and go, this is why I'm oppressed. It's bigger than me. I can't choose something different. Or you can look at it and go, no system is going to oppress me. And let's face it, we've got hundreds of thousands of people across the planet that have made that choice. And yet we don't look at that. We look at the people who are choosing to, to stay in it. So if, and and I do realize this conversation is controversial, you know, but good. Let's get people talking. Like I said, even if they hate me, I don't care. My life is wonderful. Um, and I contribute as much as I can to all kinds of people. But the people that I can't contribute to are the ones who want to remain in their victim story. And one of the things that I found is and, and one of the things that I found is victim, victimizer and control go together. If you think of somebody in your life that is always playing the victim role, well, what they're really doing is controlling you and victimizing you with how they've been victimized. I know people who were originally telling that victim story, and we worked together for a while. And a while later, they come to me and go, wow, I can't believe my entire life was rooted in that story. No wonder I couldn't create money. No wonder my relationships all fell apart. No wonder I chose abusive people in my life. And I'm like, I know. Weird, huh? Most people don't know that. They're like, I know. I grew up in a family that that's all there was. See, because you can either fight against, which in which case you're in reaction. And when you're in reaction or resistance, you are the effect of whatever you're reacting to or resisting to. And or you can get into action, which is, OK, here's my life right now. Here's all this stuff going on. If I'm not fighting against that to try to get somewhere. What action can I take 
to get where I'd really like to go. What action can I take to get where I really want to go? Action, yes. reaction. Yep, action versus reaction ah. in that because reaction always puts you, always makes you the effect of whatever you're reacting to. So for example, if somebody says to you, you're a jerk and you react, well, first you have to align and agree. In other words, you have to, you have to make it true. Okay. And so you'll make it true instantly. And then you go into reaction. I'm not a jerk or blah, 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 blah. Well, if you don't, if you don't go into reaction, you have a different choice. You can go into action, which might be like, really, thank you for your observation. What makes you say that? And then you can get what's going on underneath it. Or if it's not something you can address that way or not the time to address it, what you do and one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is you go, okay, interesting point of view. I have this point of view with all the energy that's coming up, all the reaction. Interesting point of view. I have this point of view. Interesting point of view. I have this point of view. An interesting point of view. They have this point of view. An interesting point of view. I have this point of view about them having this point of view. And what happens is your reaction starts to melt. Ooh, can we do a, can we do a, and I don't know if this will work for people. Um, I figure about 50% of people are probably still listening. The other 50 are like, <laughs> jerk, he doesn't understand how the world works. Actually, I do. I grew up in it. I grew up in the poverty. Okay. I grew up having, when our toilet broke, um, when I was a kid, we had to wait a month to get it fixed. So we had to do our business in a plastic bucket in the bathroom and empty it out in the backyard. Thank God we had a backyard. Um, thank God we weren't in an apartment at the time. Okay, so I I am not saying this from an erudite, airy-fairy, my life has always been easy place. I'm saying it from we have different choices. If we're going to pull ourselves out of the crap, we've got to stop making the crap greater than us. No, uh, by the way, I'm I'm certain that you're, you're definitely having a, a lot of resistance from the audience just because of, of how it said, and that's one of the reasons I have at the podcast is bring out different perspectives. But the thing that I'm gleaning in and taking from you is you want people to take more ownership of their lives than they often do. Now, there might be a subtle difference with, with how we approach it because sometimes I do I do feel like there are roles where we can you know we can be effective allies and we can break down. Uh, all, all the all the systemic oppressions, but I do believe that in terms of you know deciding and being self-aware, I think that's something that a journey that we should all be on in terms of mental health and taking taking inventory of the stories to tell ourselves. I think that's something that everyone should be doing as a kid up until their their deathbed because I don't think we reflect on that enough. I, I have friends who would tell me to this day that they they don't know who they are. They feel like they're playing a role in a life that was determined by them, but they can't get out of that role because they're going to lose, I guess, quote unquote, all that comes of that. And I do think that that's a dangerous place to be. But uh, like you said, it leads to unworthiness. And then, you know, you, you, you start to feel like you don't have control of your life anymore. Truly. And I love what you said about, you know, removing the systems of oppression. But what and and I love what you said about taking stock, you know, from the time you're a child until your deathbed. And exactly what you said, people living lives that feel like they have nothing to do with them. I know that one personally. <laughs> and, I know you know that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's a recipe for unhappiness and death. And I'm here to say there's something else. And I'm, I'm also not minimizing 
the struggle that people have. Um, I was going to say right now, but it's not just right now. It's been going on forever. Yeah. And so I'm not minimizing that at all. What I'm here to say is we have the capacity. We need to actually look at us. And instead of seeing us as the victims, let us see us. And, and people may be trying to victimize us, but that doesn't mean we have to choose to be the victim to the victimization. And collective, what's that? Don't give them the power is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and take the power that you somehow think is a wrongness if you have it, because a lot of people that let other people determine their lives, they've got this secret point of view that if they had the power, they would be destructive. And that's a point of view they bought a long time ago. That's, you know, yeah. it's sort of endemic in a lot of people. And yet it's always those people that would be the ones that would create a greater possibility for themselves, for their family. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's like, it's this, this thing where we need to be in the question all the time. Like, it's like, just when you, I mean, let's think about it. When you see a person who is dressed a particular way, or you see a person, a particular color or whatever, you right. have a, most people have a, an automatic set of points of view that come around that, which is part of what we're talking about. And that's, that's part of what kills us because it doesn't allow us to see the individual. So if you went into, you know, a homeless shelter, any homeless shelter, and there's a hundred people in there, there would be a hundred different stories. There would be a hundred different people. There would be a hundred different levels of willingness to get out of being homeless you know, and, and we need to recognize that, that each person is an individual and to the extent that they're willing to have a different choice, we have tools, we, you, me, a lot of us around the world have tools to offer them to make the different choice. And, you know, I love the fact that you're doing the podcast because it's a way of getting a different perspective into people's heads. And I just, it's like the idea that, that, we don't have a different choice is something that used to haunt me. It's why I wanted to die. And when I found out I had choice, I realized, oh my goodness. And then I started asking, does this person have choice? I literally asked (laughs) when I realized I was like, I was so surprised. I'm like, I've got choice. Shit. Somebody should have told me that before. Right. And then I started looking at all these people. I just went with the people close and then went really far up to, you know, like movie stars and really poor people and all kinds of people. And I went, do they have choice? Do they have choice? Do they have choice? The answer was always yes. And I was like, oh, my God, their life is a sum total of the choices they've made. And that blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you'll see people born into poverty who rise out of it. Why? Because they choose to. And they were in the systems of oppression also and went, F you systems of oppression. I'm going to go create the life I desire to have no matter who's trying to oppress me. And we've got to realize, you know, they seem like these um, rare gems and, and they are. And yet they show us what's possible for all of us. But we've got to get over the reaction and into the question of what else is possible. Yeah, you, you can. That's the thing that you can control: how you react. You, listen yeah. to your, yeah, listen to your story is is very <laughs> reminiscent of one of my favorite books. You know, my favorite favorite. Why well, I, I think I have three favorites, but it's The Alchemist, right? So this personal legend. I don't know if you've read it, but uh, love know. it, 
Ah, uh, there it. you go. Leacock Santiago learns about choices that he has to make. And he has a certain idea before the whole thing to, to, to find alchemy. And then like all of a sudden he realizes, oh, I could have chosen such and such. And so here you talk about that is, is something that I, I feel like a lot of people can benefit from. So thanks for doing that. Cool. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. So as we wrap up, where can people find you, your books, and what do you have coming up? Oh, goodness. So many wonderful things coming up. Um, uh, my website is drdanehere.com. Uh, on there, if you go drdanehere.com forward slash what now, there's a bunch of resources that I created specifically for um, handling the zombie apocalypse. Oh, sorry. No, it's not that. It's coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, handling this time and actually starting to navigate it with some sense of ease. And then, um, and so that's there. I've got on my YouTube channel, I've got almost 400 videos between that and Facebook. And some of them are different in different places. And um, I did a, I've done several Facebook lives that you can find at uh, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Dane here, um, which are uh, about giving you more ease during this time. And they're available, they're there, they're free. I just, you know, I lived for so long hoping there was something out there that that would actually speak to me and actually show me the world I knew was possible. And when I found it, I'm like, I want to bring this to everybody. All I want is people to know that it's there so the choice is possible because we don't have to suffer right now, you know? And here we are in the middle of COVID-19 and, you know, and... I see this, we could use this as the ultimate reset and come out of this greater. And one of the questions I ask is, what's it going to take and what am I going to have to choose to come out of this greater than I went into it? And that's what I would like people to have access to. Reframing. Love it. Yeah, this is great. This is great. Well, before I let you go, then I have to ask you my final question. My final question is my mission statement. Reframed. As, as a question, and it's this, uh, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I love that. Um, yeah, that's my mission statement. Use a difference to make a difference. So I love that. You... For me personally, mm -hmm. I don't, um, I will at this point, see, I've, I've been blessed to be on this journey of seeing what is truly possible and what we are truly capable of and what we as people can truly change. And so what I do at this point is I don't pull any punches. I don't try to, I don't try to sugarcoat my conversation to make it palatable for people. I'm willing to be out there and receive judgment, but I do every darn thing I can to make tools of possibility available whether people have money or not, which is why I have all the, the free videos online and free video series and, and this web page and all that sort of stuff, because I don't want money to be a barrier for people choosing possibilities. So for me, every day is about what can I contribute to the beautiful people on this planet and having a different choice and having a different possibility. And that's one of the questions I always start my day with. Yeah, I love it. I was always asking questions and leading on questions, and we wrap this interview with a question. Thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you for the work you're doing, and thank you for being willing to share your perspective, regardless of how you. <laughs> it's good to be received. I think that's we need to all experience 
uh, multiple perspectives. So thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, gracing us with your knowledge. Thanks so much, Dale. Pleasure is mine. Ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.